fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. Your head's spinning today. I know it is. My head's been spinning all day long. There is so much to talk about and so little time to do it. I have no clue how we're going to cram all this into an hour, but we will do our darndest. We will try and cram that 10, 20 pounds of reason into that two-pound sack that we have that is a one-hour program today. Welcome into it. Great to have you along for the ride. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. On our flagship radio station, we are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. First off, the question I have for you is, did you watch the debate or did you watch the interview with Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson on the Tweety, also known as X? Which one did you pay attention to? No, I've been tracking this on the Tweety on the views that Tucker Carlson has gotten on this. Now, I just got done filling in for Armed American Radio, great Mark Walters. He was traveling, so we got to fill in for that program. In the hour that we've been watching this, the views on the interview on the Twitter have gone up 2 million views in the last hour. Oh, yes. Currently sitting right now, 236.1 million. Actually, that's more than that because when we first started an hour ago, and I looked at the number, it was at 233. So we've gone up uh, 3 million views in an hour. That's wild. It's sitting 236.1 million views. I'm wondering what the ratings are on Fox News. Whatever they may be, they were hoping anywhere between 5 to million, uh, five to 10 million views. Nowhere near the 230, 240 that we're going to see at this one at the end of the day. So we have a lot of that to cover across the board. We also have Rachel Ehrenfeld. She is the author of the book, The Soros Agenda. We've had her on the show before. She'll be joining to talk about George Soros. Now, Alex Soros, that are taking over the companies, his involvement with the Democrats. And is there any connection between him and some of the presidential candidates on the Republican side of the aisle? There is a rumor and a theory that the man who really dominated the debate last night, Vivek Ramaswamy, the Indian uh, feisty millennial entrepreneur, the outsider. The I've called him many times on this show the wild card because we really don't know much about him, that he is being funded and paid for and brought to you by George Soros, who invested in him for his higher education and his business ventures, and that he is the quote-unquote deep state and the global government that is the paid opposition to try and disrupt the Republican Party. I don't know if there's any connection to that. That's a very interesting theory, to say the least. What I will say is that he absolutely dominated the election or the uh, debate last night. He pulled a Trump card last night. He played the Donald Trump on stage last night. He was the feisty one. He poked the bear on many of the candidates, and he got the candidates to attack him. And I will say that he did an outstanding job. Whether you like the guy or not, trust the guy or not, I'm not talking about that, and this is not an endorsement of him in any way, shape, or form. Just an observation. He dominated the debate last night, and he made everybody run circles around him. He took control of the conversation. He poked the bear by going after the other candidates. He got them riled up and attacked him, and he had beautiful responses back and was able to hold his own at the same time talking about policy that he would like to see with his campaign and with his platform on what he wants to do as a potential president of the United States. 
I, I want to play a little game on this program, which we do, and we with our limited time we have on this show, we always like to break down these debates and focus on some of the topical points. But we're going to play a game today on some of the winners and losers of certain categories. And right out of the gate, according to even the poll that we see right now from Drudge Report, with near 200,000 votes that have been cast, Vivek Ramaswamy came in with 34% of that vote winning the debate last night, which was my choice on who ended up walking away as a victor in that debate overall. Vivek Ramaswamy comes in number one in that slot. Number two also falls in line with the poll that we see on Drudge Report as well was Nikki Haley for me. I thought she did relatively well, better than I thought, to say the least. She wasn't outstanding over the top, but she definitely stood out in some aspects and she did very well. In the top seven categories for The Voice of Reason here on this program today, the winner, obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy for category number one of the overall victor of this debate from last night. Category number two, the most politician-y candidate. The one that came across as really the slimy politician that really said the very political responses without showing the true person that they are. The Voice of Reason award goes to none other than Mike Pence in that one. Yeah. Some of his responses were absolutely very politician-y, not very uh, personal, didn't really relate to the crowd and the feel and the energy that was going on in there. But that's what he does. He's a very calm, collect kind of guy. But the most politician-y like candidate last night with the responses, Mike Pence here on The Voice of Reason. Number three, the most annoying candidates. I think that's a hot topic. And that one had to go to the man himself again, the person that we like to poke fun of here on this program, because I am not a fan in any way, shape, or form, Mr. Chris Christie. Yeah. Well done, Chris Christie. You were great. Well done. You were the most annoying candidate up there by trying to uh, really easy, so easy to get under the skin of him. And Vivek Ramaswamy did that so well last night with the attack that he had on him after, which was kind of brilliant as Chris Christie was getting a little frustrated with him. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here, was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Uh, give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug. Now, for those of you that don't know that reference, that was a beautiful response to when uh, Chris Christie got taped by being pals with Barack Obama, giving him a big old hug and trying to actually campaign for him because, well, that's what Chris Christie does is the moderate that tries to play off to be Mr. Conservative. Number four in the categories for the Voice of Reason's most immemorable candidate, the one that will be forgotten relatively soon, unfortunately, will be Doug Burgum. Now, there's nothing against Doug Burgum, governor from North Dakota. I thought he did a great job last night for someone who comes from such a small state. He had some really great ideas. He's not ready for the big stage yet. He's just not ready for the big stage now, if he will be at all. I don't know, but he had some great points. He did decent on that stage. You could tell he was very nervous. You could tell that he just wasn't prepared for it uh, in the sense that he was ready for the limelight in that sense. Not that he did a bad job. But the Voice of Reason's immemorable candidate for the night. Number five, the best shot of another candidate probably had to go to that clip we just played with Vivek going after Chris Christie. I will say that um, Nikki Haley probably had the best one against Vivek Ramaswamy last night by calling him uh, uh, unskilled, inexperienced, especially in foreign policy, and that it's showing and that it's very evident. That was probably one of the best shots that she had at him. 
Number six, the loudest boo, of course, went to the most annoying candidate out there. That was Chris Christie. If you heard, he couldn't even talk with the boos that went after him. Well, because he's Chris Christie. And number seven on the categories that The Voice Reason paid attention to last night on the debate, the best economic answer on the debate stage, surprisingly, was from Nikki Haley. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmarks that the Republicans brought back in. And they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars. It's not their dollars. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt and our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so at the end of the day, you look at the 2024 budget, Republicans asked for 7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for 2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. I mean, that right there, baby, that's a that's a winning ticket right there. That was probably one of the best answers that we had seen from the debate stage at last night. So there it is, the top seven categories we focused on here on The Voice of Reason. With those, in all seriousness, though, it was a very interesting, entertaining debate last night. But I want to focus some time for a moment on Vivek Ramaswamy. Because there is, again, and I've said this is not an endorsement of him in any way, shape, or form. I like him. I like what he has to say. But he is truly the wild card of the race. He played the Donald Trump card beautifully last night. He knew exactly how to trigger the other candidates, pun intended. He knew exactly how to get them riled up. He knew exactly how to get them angry. But then at the same time, be able to talk about stuff that really meant and drove home for a lot of people. He mentioned things that were very, very on cue. He is a he is one of the most polished people up there which is very surprising for someone who's not a politician in any way, shape, or form. Now, I get it. He's His family's from India. He's a very hard worker. He came here, and his story is amazing, which is the great immigration story of his parents coming, wanting to make a better life for themselves, and their son is now a multi-billionaire entrepreneur who's running for president of the United States. That is a great American dream story. How did he do it? That's a question on what we tried to figure out, because, again, we don't know what we're getting with someone like Ramaswamy. He could be exactly who he says he is, in which case he would be a Trump 2.0 of a younger version for the next generation. But what he portrayed up on that debate stage last night was the vast contrast of political view from one generation of politics to another. And it was very evident last night. And being a millennial myself, I think that's why I resonated with a lot of what he had to say. And I think a lot of the younger generation did as well, not only being the guy that was the most supportive of Donald Trump up on that stage as he was the only one really to raise his hands very firmly to say that he would support Donald Trump if Donald Trump still got the nomination, even with all the indictments and all the criminal issues that they're having to deal with right now. But he was very supportive, but he also talked about patriotism and the American dream and all the great stuff that we were all about. He he nailed it last night. I was born in 1985 and I grew up into a generation where we were taught to celebrate our diversity and our differences so much 
that we forgot all of the ways we are really just the same as Americans, bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion in 1776. And this is our moment to revive those common ideals. God is real. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to man. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government, not four. And the US Constitution, it is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what will win us the revolution of 2024. That was a closing remark from him, and again, it was knocking out of the park. Again, whether you trust him, believe him or not, that's another story, but the vision, the view of the younger generation, the difference in politics. Look, those politicians that were up there, many of them, think that it's, again, like Donald Trump's not there, going back to business as normal. Talk about the topical issue, try and bring in that personal sob story, talk about whatever. He didn't do that. In fact, he was very bold in the sense that he said he wanted to start a revolution as in the 1776 revolution going against the bureaucratic state. He said on the debate stage last night, the only war that he would wage as a president, the new war that he would actually start, is a war on the administrative state. That would be the only war. And while they tried to go after him for inexperience and quote-unquote training on the job because he's too young, the views that he has is the views that many of my generation have in politics today. And we have to get on board with that being the new upcoming leaders in this nation. Lots more coming up here on The Voice of Reason for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale. Welcome back into the program. Again, I'm getting some comments about Andy. Be careful with Ramaswamy. He's tied to Soros. Be careful with him. He's part of the deep state. Be careful. I'm not endorsing him. I'm not endorsing him. Right now, still three quarters of the party supports Donald Trump. I think that the debate last night, he had the best performance out of all of them. Because he did a well performance does not mean that we all of a sudden endorse him and all absolutely love him. He said some really great stuff. In fact, he went deeper than some of the other candidates and really honed in on things. Again, this is a this is a very good example of the difference in generational politics. Because everybody else up on that stage talked about the political issues like we have heard for the last 10, 20 years. We've heard about the same talk, the same talking points, the same topics, the same issues. He went a little bit deeper, and he had it from a perspective of the younger generation that's about ready to rise up and take over. My generation, the ones that are starting to get into these leadership positions, we're starting to transition into those roles as that generation is starting to phase out. So the whole attack, which is hilarious with uh, Mike Pence saying that he doesn't have experience and we don't need on training on the job, like, come on, man. And I do think Brett is going to take an outsider because for a long time we have professional politicians in the Republican Party who have been running from something. Now is our moment to start running to something to our vision of what it means to be an American today. 
If you have a broken car, you don't turn over the keys to the people who broke it again. You hand it over to a new generation to actually fix the problem. That's why I'm in this race and we're just getting warmed up. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. I love how there was a boo behind that one. I find that ironic coming from Mike Pence, who ended up jumping on board with Donald Trump, who was a rookie and an outsider when he ran for president in 2016, and he jumped on board with him as well. So uh, that was kind of a very hypocritical statement for Mike Pence to say. But on the topic of education, for example, Ramaswamy hit something other than anybody else, which they talked a little bit about education and you know the whole transgender thing and the student-athletes and that sort of thing. And again, from the take of the younger generation, the generational politics that really showed its face last night and the differences of the priorities right now, Again, he dominated that conversation. Look, we have a crisis of achievement. Let's shut down the head of the snake, the Department of Education. Take that $80 billion, put it in the hands of parents across this country. This is the civil rights issue of our time. Allow any parent to choose where they send their kids to school. End the teachers' unions at the local level to allow public schools to compete. And then revive our national identity where every high school senior should have to pass the same civics test that frankly every immigrant, including my mother, had to pass in order to become a citizen of this country. And the fact of the matter is, look, there's a part of education policy that also rests with the family. I didn't grow up in money, but you know the word privilege gets used a lot? Well, you know what, I did have the ultimate privilege of two parents in the house with a focus on educational achievement. And I want every kid to enjoy that. So part of the problem is we also have a federal government that pays single women more not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house, contributing to an epidemic of fatherlessness. And I think that goes hand in glove with the education crisis as well, because we have to remember education starts with the family and the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Now, if this guy is some type of globalist, some type of Soros agent, some type of paid operative trying to disrupt the Republican Party, name one thing that he said there now again, whether he actually fulfills those or actually goes along with it. Name one thing as conservatives that we disagree in that statement. Holding together the nuclear family. Having the families actually have the power. To eliminate the Department of Education. To downgrade and eliminate many of these teachers' unions that have a stronghold in the public education system, ruining the public education system with their unionizations. Where is he wrong on any of that? Again, this is not an endorsement in any way, shape, or form, but he made a stand last night. He won that debate last night, hands down. And the wild card has become more wild because now the question is, is he a more serious, viable candidate than what he was prior to the debate? A lot more right around the corner right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Oh, we have so much to talk about today, so much to break down from the debate that we'll continue to get to. Also, the Donald Trump interview with Tucker Carlson that dominated at least the views. Right now, a day later, less than a full 24 hours later, 237.3 million views on the Tweety. Episode number 19 for Tucker Carlson. Tucker on X. 
as he chatted with him. So we have some of those audio clips, too. My opinion, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think Donald Trump missed a huge opportunity last night. He was the most calm, collected, rational, um, trying to play happy-go-lucky, middle-of-the-road, uh, go-along, get-along kind of guy I have ever seen in the entire time that he's been in the public limelight since 2015 when he ran for president. So, uh, yeah, it was a very strange, very interesting conversation last night. I thought it was bad. It was just very different and very strange from what I was expecting, especially when he said, Sparks would fly. I figured he'd be a little bit feistier than what he was on that debate or on that uh, interview last night. We'll play some of those audio clips in just a little bit. But I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the latest and what's trending. What's trending today? As a lot of what happened on the debate stage last night and what's going on across the nation really tied into this next topic and this next guest really happy to have back on the program. She is the author of The Soros Agenda. Obviously, George Soros stepping out, the new Soros stepping in. It's very concerning. She's also the founder and president of the New York-based American Center for Democracy and the Economic Warfare Institute. Happy to have back on the program Rachel Ehrenfeld. Hey, Rachel, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. I gather you are very hot. Uh, it is It is very warm in Wichita, Kansas, 104 degrees right now, and I'm not too happy Whoa. about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cooler in New York, but, uh, but uh, New York is not doing very well. Uh, because we have too many illegal migrants all over the place. Yeah, I do find it ironic that your mayor out there was all for being a sanctuary city, let's open up the borders to immigrants, and now he's trying to tell them just not to come. You're over full, you can't do it, and you're now harming our economy because we have too many people on the social dime. Yeah, billions of dollars, many billions of dollars worth of of public uh, dime, uh, including my taxes. Mm. Uh, and the mayor is inviting, uh, is, is suggesting to New Yorkers to invite illegal migrants to um, to live with them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I guess when you get in a desperate state like that, but I'm wondering, Rachel, how many people are actually going to jump on board with that opportunity and open up their doors to a to a migrant? I I don't think even one. Yeah. Um, certainly not. Certainly not the people who live on Park Avenue or Madison Avenue or Fifth Avenue or whatever. Yeah, the ones that uh, have plenty of rooms to spare, right? Yep. Yeah. And many, uh, many wealthy people, uh, more than five hundred thousand, left New York already uh, and took their money elsewhere. So they took their money, their businesses elsewhere. There is less actually work for New Yorkers, and now we have the illegal migrants and the uh, and the uh, governor today um, had the press conference, and she said, and she's she intended on um, uh, giving the new illegal migrants uh, IDs so they can work. Um, uh, get to work immediately, and probably she didn't say that. That what with ID they will probably be able to vote. Wow, uh, which will not be surprising in New York. Yeah, not surprising at all. What a mess. What a mess. I feel for you guys out in New York because that is a disaster. And even your mayor said that you guys are, uh, you're the big apple. You're the heart of the nation economically with so much going on there. And yet he allowed that to happen and now is complaining about it. And for some weird reason, blaming Republicans for using it as a political stunt when he advocated for the open borders and for the sanctuary state. So I, I guess it's karma on the Democrat side, right? 
Well, absolutely. Uh, as a cab driver today said to me, well, we don't have any, and he, he himself was a migrant from Pakistan. He came here legally. Uh, and uh, he said, he complained, he said, well, where are the tourists? They are not coming to New York because there is so much crime everywhere. So um, he said he has less business because of that, because the illegal migrants are not taking cabs. And the tourists stayed away. So, uh, yeah. What a not mess. Not a wonderful situation. Not a good situation at all. What a mess. What a mess. Let's talk yeah. about the, the Soroses for a moment here. The news, uh, since we've talked to you last time, there's been the transition in the Soros uh, hierarchy of the son Alex Soros now taking over, being seen multiple times at the White House on, uh, with Joe Biden talking about their plans. The According to the news reports, that Alex is much more political than what his dad even was, which is... Uh, really concerning because he was already pretty political. But what's your thoughts on this? Is he a danger and is he more dangerous, do you think, than George Soros was? Well, uh, we know that he has at least $25 billion, with a B uh, um, in, his, in his wall chest. And uh, being more political means um, giving more money for the election. It's very important for them to provide as much money as um, as needed in order to buy as many Democratic votes as they can everywhere. Mm. So uh, they focus on that, and they... Uh, but don't count uh, George Soros out. He, uh, he's given uh, well, earlier this month uh, something like $750,000 uh, turned out to a PAC, a special PAC, which not many details are known about in Texas. Uh, in order to bring in more uh, Democrat votes. Um, so, uh, and they're spending money everywhere uh, in order to increase, um, in order to bring in more Democrat votes and probably also help with um, lobbying to give more ideas to illegal migrants so that they can vote. Wow. Um, not only not not only are they uh, in many ways uh, responsible for uh, Biden's open border policies, uh, and it's not only it's not only the open borders are not only uh, with Mexico. The open borders also with Canada, although less people are coming from uh, from the northern border. But um, as uh, the government actually had announced earlier this uh, month, the uh, more uh, some 437 or something uh, identified um, suspects on the terrorist list of the government have been caught in the first six months of this year, which is which is a rise on what has happened before. Now. They are about, uh, the guesstimate uh, is that there are about uh, one million uh, gotaways, people who were not registered anywhere, who just uh, came in and, and, and ran away and, and got into the country. They don't know where, they don't know how many, but the guesstimate is uh, at least one million. Okay, so how many how many criminals and how many... Uh, potential terrorists have been uh, are among this one million gotaways. We don't know. Uh, unfortunately, we will find out. Um, the number of stabbing in Democrat-run uh, cities 
uh, has been on the increase. And that, um, since we have many migrants from countries where knifing is, um, is a regular uh, pastime, uh, we see it happening more here. There are all kinds of new diseases that America didn't experience before. We are facing it now, although the authorities are not advertising it, but we know there are there is more uh, tuberculosis cases and other, other illnesses which have been eradicated here a long time ago. So um, this is when crime is, crime is in, on the increase and homelessness and drug addiction, so, uh, which is really kind of frightening. Uh, and all kinds of synthetic drugs that are coming through the border. And where is the government? I don't know. Um, not doing much about it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It is. We see a major rise in crime across the nation. We see a major rise in homelessness across the nation. Even here, where I'm based out of with our flagship station in Wichita, Kansas, which is a relatively smaller city compared to others across the nation, we're seeing homelessness rise. And we can talk about the economy and we can talk about inflation and we can talk about COVID that I think all have factors to it. But when you increase the population of migrants just saying, here, here's an EBT card for your food stamps and here's some government checks and we're going to ship you out and bus you to certain parts of the country, they have nowhere else to go. And we're going to start seeing more of like what you're seeing in New York right now. We're going to see all over the country. Yeah, and uh, I understand speaking with people from different parts of the country. Indeed, they see them. And um, the instead, so for example, what do you do about the increasing number of uh, drug addicts everywhere? Uh, what Soros had been, uh, Soros had done it for in, in the 90s, um, early 90s when crack was a big uh, problem. Uh, he started the... Um, uh, what is it, harm reduction program where they have injection rooms. Well, injection rooms are creating more drug addicts. People come there, uh, they share needs, they, um, they, they, they also provide them with drugs. Mm. So um, uh, Schellenberger had described very well what has been happening in San Francisco, and you can see it here too. Uh, although in New York, the media is less... Um, uh, paying less attention to it uh, for some reason. If you go down to uh, uh, the area of NYU, for example, Washington Square, uh, it's, it's absolutely horrible. You certainly don't want to go there. Uh, places are really, uh, if, if, you, if you want to be safe, you don't walk around too much. Yeah, don't go around too so much. Rachel, I, I, I tell you what, Rachel, hold that thought because we got to take a hard break here. Uh, stick around because I want to continue this conversation when we come back. Also, I have to ask you, as there's concerns about some of the presidential candidates having ties to the Soros's as well, which we'll do when we come back here as we wrap up this hour of The Voice of Reason. It's a Thursday. Lots more coming up. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Reason, common sense, rationale. Last segment on the show. And oh, how it flies right on by. There's so much to talk about and so little time to do it. We got just a few minutes left here as we're hanging out with Dr. Rachel Aaronfield. She is the author of The Soros Agenda. 
also the founder and president of Center for Democracy and the Economic Warfare Institute. Now, uh, Rachel, I have to ask you, as you follow the Soroses and you've investigated them, you've seen them, I want to talk to you about the concern there is about one of the Republican presidential candidates. And he did very well last night in the debates. Many say that he won it, including myself, of Vivek Ramaswamy, who there is concern with being tied to the Soroses. Now, doing just a brief research on this, he apparently was the recipient, being an immigrant into this country, or his family was the immigrants into this country, he was the recipient of the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowships um, a sponsorship, um, student loan, whatever, grants, yeah. first college. Is that a cause for concern? And is that should be something that we should be worried about as a candidate on the Republican side? The only, the only, uh, the only thing that we should be concerned about is that he didn't disclose it. The fact that he received it, he was 24 years old, and he received it because he was a very good student, uh, and uh, he qualified for this, uh, for this grant, for this stipend. Yeah. He should have, I mean, he would have been stupid not to take the money. Uh, but uh, the fact that he didn't disclose it, uh, especially since he knows that there is sensitivity about source, although um, the Poland Soros and Daisy Source Foundation is um, uh, the grant program, is part of the Open Society Foundations, um, and many uh, who received the grant uh, went on to be um, officials uh, and operatives in the Democratic Party and in the Biden administration, in the Obama administration. However, um, Swami seems to have his own mind and his own politics, so I wouldn't be worried about that. What I didn't like is the fact that he didn't disclose it. He mm. should have disclosed it. That is concerning, and it may just because maybe he knew that it would be bad publicity for him as a Republican, no, but you're better, right. It's better, yeah. it's better to come clean. Exactly. And say, okay, so now we're saying, well, you know, why shouldn't I, I should have, you know, I, I would have been stupid not to take it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but tell us about it. Sure. Uh, that is true. Uh, with that connection, going to that, like you said, I mean, that led him and launched him up. And for those that don't know, this program allows uh, immigrant students to be able to get access to a university and higher education and some of the elite colleges, which led him to be he the was, billionaire entrepreneur that he is now. Um, he, was already, he was already at Yale. He, he was already studying there. He didn't get to Yale because of that. He was already there. Mm. But he received money for it. Sure. So um, uh, to help him. At the same time, he already had uh, quite a lot of money because he already had um, some companies that he had established, which is fine. Still, you know, ninety thousand uh, dollars, even today, are ninety thousand dollars, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so taking the money is fine, but I, I think he should have been transparent about it because lack of transparency is a major thing with the Soros Foundation too. I completely agree. Rachel, we got just about a minute left here as we kind of wrap the conversation up. But now that Alex is running a lot of this, like you said, with $25 billion in his coffers to try and go after, what do you think is going to be his focus of attention? Will it be the legal system with the continued funding of attorney generals in trying to change the legal side of things? Will it be more politicians? What do you think he is, Alex, being the political we'll guy that be, he is, what will he focus on? Will be all of the above. Uh, he will continue and will increase funding uh, to elect as many Democrats for any uh, office that people are elected to in this country. It will be secretaries of state, it would be mayors, it would be um, 
DAs, it would be prosecutors, it would be any, anybody running for office, uh, school boards, whatever you want, because the agenda is the same. It's progressive, radical progressive idea uh, that contradicts um, the U.S. Constitution, um, the legal system, um, and our freedom of free speech. Uh, he just uh, actually gave money to um, a new, new initiative, uh, Solidarity, Solidarity Journalism Initiative at the University of Texas at Austin in order to train more journalists for social justice, mm. climate justice, you name it. That's what we needed, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we needed. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what they're going to focus on. It is a dangerous road, and they have a lot of money, and we need to be aware of all that's going on. It's Rachel Ehrenfeld, the author of the book, The Soros Agenda. Go and check it out on Amazon, other places as well. Rachel, it's always good to talk to you. Keep up the fight. Keep letting people know about this. We'll get you back on again real soon, my friend. Thank you very much. Hey, oh, yeah, thank you as well. Always a pleasure. We'll do it again here real soon. All right. So much more we could have covered. We'll do it again tomorrow because why? Tomorrow's a Friday and we'll have some fun. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.